Today is uh, Palm Sunday, so I thought I'd share a funny with you. It's a true story. Little Johnny woke up on Palm Sunday with a sore throat, so he had to stay home with his older sister. And uh, mom and dad and the rest of the family came home carrying palm branches. And he's, he said, Dad, what's up with the palm branches? And he said, well, it's, you know, they waved the palm branches as Jesus passed by. And uh, that's what we did today. And Johnny said, the one Sunday I miss and Jesus shows up. <laughs> Oh, goodness. Good stuff. All right. If you're new around here, we want to welcome you. This is who we are, where we're headed. We invite you to live intimately connected to Christ through a new covenant economy. We say if you don't like living intimately with God, you're not going to like heaven very much. Jesus said on earth as it is in heaven. What a, what a deed he has done. Jesus has righted the ship and got us a heart-to-heart, spirit-to-spirit connection with the living God. So we want you to live intimately connected to Christ through a new covenant economy. So you're not performing for him, nothing to earn, nothing to gain. It's all yours in Christ. And from within, he teaches you and coaches you, sanctifies you. We get our identity from Him, and put, which empowers us to put God on display and disciple others. We want to intentionally invest into others, Christ as well, of our, as, well as ourselves. Don't forget, next week, 8.30 and 10.30, and then we'll go back to uh, one service after that at 10. But next Sunday, Resurrection Day, and uh, we already have people parking on the grass, so thank you for that. Father, we thank you for your word this morning. We thank you that we are new in Christ. We are not who we used to be, but Lord, we're brand new creations. If any man be in Christ, the old has passed away and the new has come. So Holy Spirit, administer the word. In Jesus' name, everybody said, Amen. Amen. So we've been talking about the centrality of Jesus, centering everything we are upon him. We talked last year about knowing his person. How do we center everything on Jesus? Well, we need to know him. And then we studied his works, what he came to do. And now we're looking at knowing his teaching and obeying him. If you are new around here, we want you to not only be able to hear the voice of the Lord, but to do what he asks you to do as he leads you internally. So knowing his teaching and obeying him. How do we walk in truth? Jesus certainly taught truth. Uh, he lived in the reality of truth. That's what he invites us to do. Don't live in a false reality. Don't live in your own little world. Get truth from God. Human reasoning, not near as true as what God says. Okay? So how do we do it? How do we live in truth? We have a renewed mind. We walk by faith, not by what, what we see and feel. Uh, redeeming spiritual disciplines like meditation and prayer fasting from a new covenant perspective. I'm going to say it again. What does that mean? Nothing to earn, nothing to prove. I'm not trying to get God to do something for me. Uh, I fast or I meditate on truth just so I can simply align with what he's already doing. I'm not asking him to bless something I'm doing. I want to participate with him and put the flesh down. 
And then abiding in Christ's life. We've been talking about that. This is very important. You are what you eat. So feed on Christ. It's no coincidence that we fell in the garden by eating. And then Jesus shows up in John 6 and says, Eat my flesh, drink my blood, and you'll live. If you'll eat of me, you'll have life in you again. Amen. He is the tree of life. And so we need to feed on him. We need to abide, which means live, remain, stay, live in the reality of your connection to Christ. Romans chapter 8, verse 10, New Living Translation. And Christ lives where? Within you. So even though your body will die because of sin, the Spirit gives you life, Zoe life, because you've been made right with God. It's proof that God has made you right with Himself is the fact He lives in you. Can I get a witness? God is holy. Not a big fan of sin. So He cleaned you so He could live inside you. That doesn't mean if you do something dumb or unrighteous that He's not going to coach you in it. Okay? And say, hey, that's not, that's not who you are. Doesn't mean He doesn't speak to us about it, but the fact that He lives in you, God is satisfied with what Christ did with our sin. God is satisfied with what He did to remove sin. Our issues are we think we have to do it. No wonder you're full of doubt and unbelief. If you understand God dealt with sin, it was enough for Him, He was satisfied in it, then you'll never look at sin the same way again. You'll start looking at God and saying, all right, Father, you and me, I and you, let's live this thing together. Well, that's powerful. Uh, Verse 11, the Spirit of God who raised Jesus from the dead lives where? In you. You have resurrection, Zoe, life. Zoe is the Greek word. God's self-existent, eternal, uh, ever-springing, ever-present life is in you. You don't need from everybody else to be happy. You don't have to have things go your way so you can be happy. You've got a wellspring of living water life on the inside of you. That's where your happiness comes from. So the Spirit of God who raised Jesus from the dead lives in you. Just as God raised Christ from the dead, He will give life to your mortal bodies by the same Spirit living inside you. Thank you, Lord Jesus. You are what you eat. So feed on Christ if you're going to feed on offense every day. You know, Stacy and I were talking yesterday. We typically, as human beings, we find what we're looking for. If we're, if we're looking to be offended, you're going to be offended. But if you're looking for what's good and what's right, what's pleasant, whatever is true, whatever is just, whatever is worthy of praise, if you're looking for those things, you'll find them. Amen. So don't feed on offense. Don't feed on doubt and unbelief. Feed on Christ and His perspective. That's what good branches do. They abide. They stay connected to the life of the vine. So maybe your mama didn't tell you. Maybe your grandpa didn't tell you. Maybe you had a pastor who didn't tell you. Maybe your Sunday school teacher didn't tell you. But I'm going to tell you, you have the resurrection life of Jesus Christ on the inside of you. And next Sunday when we celebrate... Easter, or what I like to call Resurrection Day, we will celebrate not only Christ's resurrection, we will celebrate yours. Because you are new in Him. One of the best ways to abide in Christ, which is what we're talking about. How do I live the reality of truth? Well, I'm going to stay connected to Him. I want to have His reality. I want to have His lens. One of the best ways to do it is reckon yourself already dead to sin. 
Romans 6.11, if you're taking notes, we'll probably get there next week. It'll probably be the cornerstone of what I share on next week. But Romans 6.11 says, Therefore, consider yourselves, reckon yourselves, deem yourselves, count as absolutely factual that you have died to sin. And that now you're alive unto God with new life in Christ. Matter of fact, I probably could have made number four on our list, uh, count yourself dead to sin, and number five, abiding Christ's life. Because I think some people struggle abiding in the life of Christ because they don't, they haven't really bought into the reality that the old them is dead. That we're not trying to fix the old you. We're not trying to religify the old you. We're not trying to improve the old you and put Sunday school on you and let's put some tithing and some church attendance on you and let's pretty up the old nasty you. (laughs) That is what religion does. Religion says these pearls, you know, you got to put on these pretty pearls. It's church attendance. You're a Sunday school deacon now. And some uh, self-righteous lipstick, you know, just cover that mess up. No, God is not improving the old you. He killed the old you. He killed the old you. He put the old sinful you to death. The, the, the you that was subject to sin, mastered by sin, couldn't say no to sin. He killed that person. Oh, amen. You see it? Powerful. <laughs> Take your Bible with me. Or your, if you got a Bible app you're addicted to, take your phone. And let's say this together. Let's get it down in our spirit. Are you ready? Come on. Are you ready? Lord, I boldly declare that I reckon, deem, and count as done the truth that I am dead to sin. I take authority over the flesh and command it to shut its mouth. And I refuse to give it the right to rule in me. I am filled with the life of Christ. And I'm alive unto God through Him. Sin is no longer my master. Now I belong to and am lovingly mastered by Christ Himself in Jesus' name. Come on, somebody shout in this house. Amen. That's the truth. And you walk out the door and forget about it, it's still true. And you're just missing out on knowing the truth that empowers you to freedom. John 8, 32. So we're reckoning ourselves dead indeed to sin. You are absolutely not who you used to be. And there's many people signing up for water baptism. May the 8th, that's Mother's Day. We're going to baptize as many as possible. And many are signing up because they they really didn't understand that the old them is dead. And that they're a brand new creature coming out of that water. And I'm going to, I'm going to show you in Romans 6, or it's symbolic of what's already happened, uh, in and through the water. But water baptism is the day that I reckoned myself. I counted as fact that I was truly dead to my past. That the old Steve that was mastered by sin, that he is dead. That I'm not who I used to be. Baptism is the day I saw myself as alive with new life. Baptism is not some just religious ritual celebrating one's church membership or personal salvation or whatever. Water baptism is symbolic that you believe what God says about you is true. And that is that the old you is dead. 
and buried in a tomb somewhere. The old you that was mastered by sin was put to death. As I said earlier, you got some memories of him. You got some feelings, right? You have an old, an old love song can come on and all of a sudden your emotions go back to 1978. <laughs> that night you wish you could have forgot. <laughs> so you got memories, you got, you got feelings, you got habits from him, ways of thinking from him. How about this? The idea of deficit. He trains you in. Listen to me. The old man of sin trains you in something super deceptive. And it says this. I need that to be happy. I'm not complete. I'm not fulfilled. So I got to have that to be happy. Sin is deceptive. But the greater deception is that you ever thought as a human being, sin could satisfy you. Man is too great a creation to be satisfied by sin. You can only be satisfied by the living God. Sin is a total deception that somehow you're going to derive life from it. I love that picture Seth created of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. It's bare. It's dead. It had one apple on it. So when they ate of that tree, there was nothing left to eat on. And so fear came and lack came. Where are we going to to be supplied now. And so thankfully, Jesus has come. Amen. Touch your neighbor and say, Jesus has come. Yeah, we're going to feed on him. So let's go to Romans 6. This is the Passion Translation. Now, hold on, everybody, because it gets exciting. Romans 6, 1. So what do we do then? Shall we go on sinning that God's kindness and grace abounds to us? God forbid. What a terrible thought. We have died to sin once and for all as a dead man passes away from this life how could we live under sin's rule a moment longer we really have to begin to believe we have died to sin that person is dead believe believe if you worked as hard to believe what god says actually happened happened as you do trying to fix yourself, you would live a much better life. John six twenty nine, and I'll show it to you here in a minute. But Jesus, they asked Jesus, what must we do to work the works of God? What's the work that's required? Jesus said, church membership, number one. <laughs> Three Hail Marys. I, mean, I don't know. He said, believe on me. The power to resist sin comes from belief and i'm praying for you leadership is praying for you to move not just from believing but to knowing for paul said now i know in whom i have believed that is the power and strength see that doesn't come from you that's not your ability what are you going to claim credit because what god says really happened happened and you're going to now boast in self-righteousness no you see all the glory goes to him all you're doing is believing what he said believing that what he said happened happened not only with christ but with you belief is the key hebrews 4 11 i'll show you that one too labor if you're going to work hard Labor to enter rest. 
Rest from what? When he says rest throughout the New Testament, you're resting from your own efforts, your own ability to say no to sin, your own ability to be produce something righteous, some kind of right behavior. Flee that. The rest is believing the truth. That's your part. Rest is the calm confidence that comes from knowing the truth. That's what is produced. And we know it, we know it, we know it, we believe it. All right, where did I leave off? Okay, there it is. Or have you forgotten that all of us who were baptized or immersed into union with Jesus Christ were immersed into union with his death? When he died, you died. That old you, the, the stinky you, the one with the glasses and the lipstick, died. <laughs> Sharing in his death by our baptism means that we were co-buried with him so that when the Father's glory raised Christ from the dead, we were also raised with him. You're new. It's not just that the old you is dead. You're a brand new person governed now by righteousness. You're not governed by sin. You are mastered, but you're mastered by righteousness. That's why when you do a big piece of stupid, he tells you, hey, we didn't condemn you. He doesn't say you're not fit to live in. He doesn't reject you. He teaches you. He trains you while with you. Why? Because you're reconciled. The sin of the world issue, sin singular, has been dealt with in God's eyes. So take your truth from Him and His view of sin singular instead of all the time toiling in your sins. Start believing Him. Oh, my goodness. I think that's good across the board. What if we began to take our perspective and reality from what God says instead of what we think, feel, and believe we think he says? It would help. We've been co-resurrected with Christ so that we would be empowered to walk in what? The reality of new life. When Jesus told Pilate, I came to bear witness of truth. What he's saying is, I came to bear witness of a greater reality than the natural realm. It's the realm of the spirit. It's the realm where God rules and reigns. And that my people can derive life and reality from that realm. And it will supersede and triumph whatever they're experiencing in this realm. That's how you have the... In the Colosseum, the Roman Colosseum, Christians are singing hymns. They're worshiping God while they're lighting them on fire. How is that possible? They're accessing realities that are greater than what they're experiencing in the natural realm. We are to be overcomers, victorious people, not bound and limited by the natural realm. We don't say that the natural, we don't deny that the natural is there. We just deny that's all that's there. There's another realm, the realm of the spirit, the realm of truth that activates our heart, that animates our body bodies and our minds this is the victory that overcomes the world even our faith first john chapter 5 verse 4 and 5 our victory is faith believing what he's done what a great time of year to do it easter time let's start believing god Let's elevate what he says about us and what he says really happened over how we think and feel every day. Our human reasoning is deceptive because no one knows the things of God but the Spirit of God. 1 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 9 through 12. It's foolishness to the natural man. Even the cross is foolishness to the natural man. 
but to those of us being saved by it, it is the power of God. All we've been talking about for a few months is how do we live in God's reality? How do we live in what Jesus called truth, a greater reality than what we see and reason and experience on a daily basis? So we're going to consider ourselves dead to sin. We're going to have a renewed mind. We're going to abide in the life of Christ that's in us. We're going to live connected to the vine because that's what good branches do. They receive, they derive. We live from faith to faith, deriving to deriving, receiving to receiving. When I was in church for many years, I thought faith was me doing a bunch of religious things so God would bless me, like me, and love me. And he said, Steve, I've already blessed you. I already like you and I already love you. So everything you're doing is rooted in unbelief. Why don't you believe me? So I said, all right, I believe. Help thou my unbelief. Look at this now. We're living the reality of what? New life. Zoe, for since we're permanently grafted into Christ to experience a death like His, we're permanently grafted into Him to experience a resurrection like His and the new life that He imparts. Zoe life. Jesus didn't come to start a religion or a holiday called Easter. He came to make dead people alive again. To impart inside you divine life, supernatural life by the Spirit And by the truth, because 1 John 5, 6 says the Spirit is the truth, He came to impart life into you so you're no longer mastered by what goes on around you or even what happens to you. Amen. Everybody say, I've got life. John 10, 10, the thief comes to steal, kill, and destroy, Jesus said, but I came that you might have life and have it abundantly, excessively. You've got life. Zoe. God's self-existing, self-sustaining life. So we're um, grafted into Him, resurrection, new life He imparts. Look at verse 6. Could it be any clearer that our former identity is now and forever deprived of its power? For we were co-crucified with Christ to dismantle the stronghold of sin inside us so that we would not continue to live one moment longer submitted to the lie that sin has power over you. It doesn't. The one it did is dead believe it reckon yourself that the old you is really dead in christ the one i love this last line the the stronghold of sin with this so that we would not continue to live one moment longer in the deception that sin makes me do it greater is he that's within you than he that's within the world all right, let's go back. Let's break this down a little bit. Romans 6, 1, New King James. What shall we say then? Shall we continue in sin that grace abounds? Paul's referring back here to Romans chapter 5, verse 20. Anybody know what it says? For where sin abounds, grace, yeah, much more. Paul makes an argument in Romans chapter 5. You ought to read it. I mean, there's your, there's your, uh, your task for this week. Paul builds an entire case in Romans 5 that grace is way more powerful than sin. He builds the case so impressively 
so one-sided, he has to start chapter 6 by saying, well, shall we just go on sinning since grace is so amazing? We forget that grace is stronger than sin. We forget that. You want to know why? Because we live in our own little world. We think what we're experiencing, what we're feeling, that's really the truth. No, it's not. Truth comes from God. So despite what you feel, despite what your uh, Christian experience may be, always go back to God for the truth regarding grace versus sin. (laughs) Come on, Holy Ghost. Paul is saying in Romans chapter 5, that you need to assign more value to what Jesus Christ did to righteous you than you assign what Adam did to sin you. He, he contrasts Adam and Jesus. And Paul, I mean, God help him, but he was on the side that Jesus was greater. Yeah, the grace wins every time, that the righteousness of Christ is greater than the fall of Adam. His ability to make you right with God is greater than what Adam did to mess mess you up. And did you notice in Romans 5.20, this is where we see sin singular. For where sin, not sins, where sin abounds. Grace does that much more abound. That should sound familiar to you because John the Baptist in John 1.29 said, Behold the Lamb of God who takes away the sin, singular takes away the sin, singular, of the world. Of the world. (laughs) Takes it away. Renders it as inoperative. What am I saying? I'm saying lift, lift up your eyes. Come out of your own reality and look at God's reality of how He dealt with sin in the world. He defeated it. Through His Son, Jesus Christ, putting you to death in Him, then raising you to a brand new person that loves righteousness way more than sin. He put Christ in you. You have it better than Adam and Eve had it. Think about that. When Adam and Eve transgressed, their fellowship with the Spirit of God was was broken, at least internally. When you and I stumble... God doesn't leave us or forsake us. God's Spirit doesn't vacate, wash His hands of us. You continue walking, listening to Him, being led by Him. And there was a lot of that in the garden too. Let's don't misinterpret that. But the bottom line is they died spiritually as a result of their sin. You don't die spiritually. You've been born again by an incorruptible seed. The seed of Christ in you cannot be corrupted. You just get up, keep going. You know what defeats you? Your own perspective, your own view of your own sin or sins, plural. That's why it's important to see that Paul uses a big big picture helicopter view where sin is concerned, singular. How about this? Do you guys remember when Jesus said in the Garden of Gethsemane, Father, if this cup can pass from me, let it pass. Remember that? You ever wonder what was in that cup that would make even Jesus balk about drinking it? All your sin, mankind's sin was in there. Everything. All the vileness you can think of, the vitriol, 
the child molestation, the bestiality, the murder, the anger, the evil, all that black, all that darkness was in that cup. And he drank it. He took it into himself. Second Corinthians 5.21, God made him who knew no sin to become one with sin. Separated himself. The, the, the fruit of sin is separation from God. Go back to the garden, but also at the cross. He said, Father, why hast thou forsaken me? That's simply for us to know that he took sin into himself. Experienced that so that we could drink his cup. You'll never take communion the same way again. This is my blood. Let's trade out the blood of Adam that's perverted you and corrupted you and your thinking and let's exchange it. This is the cup of the new covenant written in my blood which I shed for you for the remission of all sin. Singular. God's dealt with sin. What it is finished, but what's left for us to do? Believe it. Know that what he's, he can't lie. He can't lie. You are free. The price has been paid. You don't have to pay off the preacher anymore. Not that anybody tried to pay me. That was different religion denomination there okay you don't have to pay that guy you don't have to do penance you don't have to work your way back to you babe as the song says that's how i live that was my christian life i would go along for a while good and then i sin and then it's working my way back to god by my what by my own effort when you stumble go back to believing knowing the truth that he has dealt with sin In your logic, you may say, well, I feel like a sinner, Steve. Well, use the same logic and know that Christ drank your cup. And now you're drinking of his cup. This is the work. Jesus answered and said, John 6, 29, this is the work of God. Believe in him whom he sent. Hebrews 4, 11, let us be diligent to enter rest. (laughs) God knows us too well. He took it out of our hands. We were never going to be able to right ourselves. We were never going to be able to reconcile ourselves and become one. Does that make sense? When the price was going to be paid for right relationship with God, what was going to be satisfactory? Only God. Because God is holy and we aren't without Him. So He did it for you. You want to know why? Because in Ephesians 2... It says, it's a gift of God, lest any man should. Anybody know anybody that likes to boast religiously about things, about efforts, self-efforts? That's not our role. Our role is to believe. He's done it. So you, you being dead to sin is a spiritual reality. I love this. You're dead to sin. That's a spiritual reality. And it's a truth that has to be accessed daily. Everybody say daily. By the Spirit and by a renewed mind. Access the truth on a daily basis. Same as your union with Christ. We spend a lot of time, me telling you, Christ lives inside you. You're one spirit with Christ. 1 Corinthians six seventeen. That's a spiritual reality and you could ignore Him all day tomorrow. And it doesn't change the fact He's in you. Amen. Deal with that. Because your little reality is not the truth. 
<laughs> we got to go to God, right, Brian? For truth. We go to Him for truth. How about we talked about your union with each other? Did you know you're all one in Christ already? That when God looks in this room, He doesn't see a bunch of Christs. He sees one Christ. We're all belonging to each other. We, uh, we help make up one Christ. That's a spiritual reality. And if we decide to murmur and complain and slander each other and gripe and gossip and backbite against each other, it doesn't change the truth. It just means that we're full of unbelief, rife with doubt and venom and all those things. God forbid. Amen? How could we who died to sin be living in it? Amen. No longer living toward God by what we think, feel, and believe. We now are living every day in calm receptivity. Nothing to earn. Nothing to prove. Nothing to fear. Why? Because we're already reconciled in Christ. 2 Corinthians 5, verse 16 through 21. You can read it. It's another good one. What was the other one I gave you? You could read Romans 5. 2 Corinthians 5, 16 through 21. You are reconciled in Christ so much that He gave you the ministry of reconciliation. How do you think how we treat people might be different if we actually believe that we've been made right with God of no effort on our own? He gave this to us. Hello. That's right. Hello. Pay attention. Can I say again, let's say tomorrow you forget everything I'm telling you right now. That you're a new creation in Christ, admonished to simply walk in the real reality that what God says happened really happened to you. And the old you is dead. You forget all day tomorrow. You just go all day in your own reality, deriving truth from what you think it is. Guess what? It doesn't change the truth. It's still true. <laughs> it's still true. Jesus said, John eight thirty two. if you know the truth, intercourse with truth, become one with truth, it'll set you free. Yeah. It's not just believism. It's knowing. It's participating, right? Faith without works is dead. So I'm going to live knowing it's true. Second Thessalonians 2, 13. Let me see if I have that. Mm, nope. All right. So here's what it says. 2 Thessalonians 2.13 says that you're sanctified. Does everybody know what sanctified means? Uh, set apart, you become more and more like Christ in your attitude and your actions. You become sanctified by the work of the Holy Spirit who's in you and believing the truth. It's in the Bible. John 17, 17, Jesus said, sanctify them. He's praying, Father, sanctify them in truth. Thy word is truth. His word is the pathway to your sanctification. Believe what he says. The old you is dead. Everybody say, the old me is dead. I'm a brand new person. But the flesh says this. Oh, hold on, brother Steve. Let me quit sinning. I'm going to do it. Let me quit sinning. No, then it's you and your work. But if you'll simply believe the truth, you're going to celebrate God's work and what He's done. Now you're listening and you're living from Him. That's what good branches do. I'm listening to Him. I'm living from Him. I'm not over here fixing sin. I'm believing the truth. 
Now, let me say this to bring balance. If Jesus, the one who lives in you, the Lord of your life, invites you to follow him inwardly in prayer, like he says, Brother Charlie or Brother Kyle, there's an area in your heart that you're broken. Let me show this to you. This is why when Nikki says, turn off football, it triggers you. Whatever. I don't know if that's true. When your wife says, do the dishes or take out the trash or how come you can't do something as simple as taking out the trash? If, if Jesus says, follow, follow me inwardly, let me show you something in your heart. This is why you're triggered by that. Then go with him. He will sanctify you by speaking to you and addressing things. What is it? Uh, Search my heart, O oh God. Let me know if there's any wicked way in me. So I'm, I'm not saying ignore Christ when he wants to deal with something. I'm saying you don't habitually deal with your own sin. You've got to start with the reality God has dealt with it. Now, Lord, what do you have to say to me? Because I'm not giving place to shame and guilt and all those things. Sanctify them in truth. Thy word is truth. How about this? To beg God for victory over sin is a refusal to believe that the old you who was mastered by sin is still somehow around. Your joyful task is to believe the good news rather than try and crucify yourselves every day. You've already been crucified, so reckon yourselves as already dead. And now you're living the Christ life. The best way to overcome sin is believe the truth and partner with the Holy Spirit. Romans 8, 5 says, Those who walk by the Spirit do so by what? Setting their mind on the Spirit. Haven't you ever wondered? I mean, you look around the people on your pew today. You're like, man, how do they do that? How do they walk by the Spirit? It's incredible. They set their minds on the things of the Spirit. Romans 8, 5. And those who live by the flesh, well, they set their minds on the things of the flesh. So all this baptism talk, Let's get into that is symbolic of how the Holy Spirit baptized you into Christ. I'm going to go back to Romans 6. Help me, Holy Ghost. Look at verse 3. Verse 3. Do you not know that as many of us who were baptized into Christ were baptized into his death? Therefore, we're buried with him through baptism into death as Christ was raised from the dead by the glory of the Father. Even so, we walk in a newness of life, Zoe life right there. For if we've been united together in death, we're also uh, united in the likeness of his resurrection, knowing this, that our old man was crucified with Christ, that the body of sin might be done away with, that we should no longer be slaves of sin. The part of you that was a slave to sin has been crucified congratulations so water baptism is simply a a public uh, profession that what god says about me is true symbolizing under the water the old me is dead i come up out of the water i'm brand new i'm washed clean my sin stayed my sin body all that stayed in the tomb does that make sense to you so you walk down those steps a brand new person if you want to be water baptized on mother's day may the 8th you can sign up online but water baptism is symbolic of what already happened in your heart. 1 Corinthians twelve thirteen says that the Holy Spirit baptized you into Christ when you got born again. The old you is buried. Now, a slave, I love this statement. A slave never knows true freedom until death. That was a famous line in a movie, and I couldn't tell you what movie it was. I don't know. 
But a slave never knows true freedom until death. So guess what God did? That's right. How did He set you free? He killed you. (laughs) A slave never knows real freedom until they die. And then they're discharged from what they knew, their old master. They're discharged from their old master. So he killed you. So, you know, so what? So what would happen? So you could be free and do whatever you want? Watch the NBA? Why did he, why did he kill you? Just go over to Romans chapter 7 and verse 4, next chapter. So, my dear brothers and sisters, the same principle applies to your relationship with God. For you died to your first husband, the law, by being co-crucified with the body of Christ. So you are now free to marry another person, the one who was raised from the dead, so that you may now bear his fruit unto God. Come on and give him praise. He killed you to marry you. Intimacy, union, children. We're the bride of Christ. He's our husband. Your other uh, task is read Romans 7. (laughs) 1 through 7. It'll blow your mind. Does this blow your mind? He put you to death because what he talks about at the beginning, I'll just read it to you. In Romans 7, listen to this. Oh, we're going to have a shouting time. What's that old gospel song? It's shouting time or something? Nobody knows. <laughs> it may even be a shouting time in heaven. Is that right, Stephen? But I'm saying it's shouting time on earth because thy kingdom come, thy will be done. On earth as it is in heaven. Listen to Romans 7.1. Do you not know? So this is the after he goes through Romans 6, which we will go through. But all this stuff about you died and now you're alive with Christ's life. Romans 7.1 Do you not know, brethren, for I speak to those who understand law, that the law only has dominion over you as long as you're alive. God didn't kill the law. He killed you. Verse 2 And that effectively discharged you. Remember, when you see law in Scripture, understand, just put in parentheses, law of self-effort. The law of me trying to be like God without God. The purpose of the law was to was not to impart life. It wasn't capable of imparting life. Like Christ your husband imparts life into you. It showed you you were void of life. And that you needed to receive him. For the woman has a husband. Who has a husband is bound by the law to her husband. Only as long as he's alive. But if the husband dies. She is released from the law of her husband. So then if while her husband lives, she marries another man, whoops, she's an adulteress. But if her husband dies, she's free from that law. She's no longer an adulteress, even though she would marry someone else. Therefore, verse 4, right here, Therefore, brothers, the same principle applies to your relationship with the living God. You died to your first husband, the law, the law of self-effort, dying, trying, do it all by yourself, go to church, work hard. When you screw up, try harder, do better. All of that is dead. Now the life of Christ is in you. Your husband is in you. He's infusing life into you. Because you can't be like God without God. So he had to put himself inside you. To express himself through you. Through your what? Through your hard work? No, through your rest. 
through your receiving, through your participation with the vine. Does that make sense? Let's give him praise so I can take a breath. I'm getting in better shape though. This preaching is helping me. <laughs> Look at this. You died to your first husband, the law, by being co-crucified with Jesus. And you're free to marry another. My new King James uh, says A with a capital A. Free to marry another. Who? The one who was raised. Do you understand now the fruit of the Spirit? Fruit of your union. Husband and wife in the natural have a union. They bear children. Johnny and Stephen and Sally and Dottie. But in the Spirit, you and your husband bear fruit called love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, self-control, and gentleness. Against such things... There is no law. Law was for restraint. Put a restraint on sin. So he's saying, just let it go, man. If you want to be a radical, live radically in love. And and guess what? Guess what? You can have love and joy and peace and patience even when the natural world around you is falling apart. Even if they're pouring oil on your body to light you on fire, you can have fruit called love and joy and peace inside a Roman Colosseum because you are bearing witness of realities that exist. Jesus came to bear witness of a God who is spirit. He is unseen, but you can see the effects of Him inside a human's heart. And that's what we do. Put God on display. For the world to see. They don't need to see religion. They don't need to see us trying harder. They need to see the nature of God. The the offspring of our husband revealed through our body. The spirit sows. The soul receives. The body gives birth to the life that's in it. In other words, a woman who's pregnant begins to reveal there's life inside. Amen. Stand with me. Whoa, what was that? That might be my pacemaker going off. (laughs) One more while the band is coming. When we died, it ended our obligation to sin and to the law of trying and earning, and it married us to receiving and having and thanking Him. It's hard to worship if you're still earning something, but you can worship your tail off if you've received something. 1 Corinthians 15, 56, the strength of sin is the law. The strength of sin, anything not from faith is sin. That's why the law represents your self-effort to get there. So when the law is required and laid out, self-striving comes into play, but yet... Anything not from faith is sin. We're supposed to be abiding and receiving and walking with Christ our husband in calm receptivity, knowing that it's finished. Amen? Every head bowed and every eye closed. You're here this morning. There's no better time. I'm telling you, I don't know how much time this old world has left on it, but I'm telling you, if you don't know Christ, I beg you on behalf of Christ, invite Him into your heart. He is real. He's alive in the present tense. He'll speak to you heart to heart, spirit to spirit. He will change your insides. 
He will give you life. If that's you and you say, Brother Steve, I've never known Christ. I've never welcomed Him inside. But I want to start today. Would you slip your hand up real high so I can see it? We're going to pray for you. Anybody? Brother Steve, I need Christ. I need Him in me. Anyone? Gathered church, if you're here this morning and you're ready to embark on this great journey of reckoning the old you is dead, I mean believing it and receiving it and then living the new Christ life that's in you. You say, Brother Steve, that's me. I want to give the, the Lord of my heart permission to quicken me to this truth. If that's you, would you slip your hand up so I can pray for you this morning? Amen. Father God, in Jesus' name, I thank you for these raised hands. I thank you, Lord, that it's in their heart and their spirit, Lord, to reckon themselves as dead to sin every day. It's lost its power. No more prettying up the old pig and the old us. No more. He who the sun sets free is really free. And in our freedom, we choose you as our husband and our life source and the producer of all that love, joy, fruit, children in and through us that we receive of you. We thank you for this. In Jesus' mighty name, everybody said, Amen. Come on, let's give him praise. Amen. I want to say this. If you're new here, you have questions, you want connection, we have some wonderful people at the front that can visit with you. Uh, We care about you. Like I said, I don't know how much time we have, but I'm telling you, if you want to follow Christ, you're in a good place. We'll help you get connected. Uh, We're going to sing this song together, So, and then we'll dismiss. But if after this worship song, you have prayer or questions, can see us at the front.